Hi, it's Allegra with a dose of modern life, healthier, easier, and more fun. On today's show, I'm going to talk about pie, but not the kind of pie you're thinking about. Pie is actually a communication tip that I find very helpful in all areas of my life. Then we're going to have a friendly chat with Michaela Malazzi. She is the executive producer and host of a travel show called Bare Feet, and we're going to have a fun chat. Today will be part one. Then I'm going to give you a fun, easy baking hack. Love buttermilk, but don't always have it in your fridge? This will save the day. All this and more after this brief musical interlude. See you after the tunes. We're back. And now for my topic, pie. Now, I am a longtime Toastmaster, and for those of you who don't know what that is, Toastmasters International is a global nonprofit. It was started in California about 100 years ago, and they teach communication and leadership skills to whoever wants to be a member. You can go to toastmasters.org and find out a whole lot more there. Anyway, when I joined Toastmasters, I was given a training on how to give feedback, and the acronym that was used was PIE. P-I-E, which stands for praise, improvement, and encouragement. And I know I had heard this acronym, maybe not the exact acronym, but I know I had heard this this tip before, you know, in college. I probably heard it at some point, but for some reason it hit me differently when I heard it as this acronym PIE. It's it stuck with me. Maybe it's because of my <laughs> my food thing, so that helps for me. So the whole idea behind PIE is that you should sandwich your feedback in between praise and encouragement, right? So praise first, then give your tips for improvement or your feedback, and then leave it with encouragement. And there is actually sound psychological benefits for doing this. I mean, just think about it. If your mom, imagine you're a teenager and your mom came into the room and said, why didn't you put the dishes in the dishwasher like I told you? right? Your brain immediately shuts off. You just become defensive because that's just how we're wired. But if your mom had come into the room and said, you know what? I really appreciated the way you took out the trash the other day. There was something that you didn't do. I'm sure you just haven't gotten to it, but remember you are responsible for the dishwasher. Okay. So thanks again for the trash, but I need your help with the dishwasher and I know that you can do it. So, so that's an example of pie. And I have found this to be an incredibly helpful tool in all areas of my life, professionally, personally, and I just want to encourage you to use it. Now, why do I want, why do I think the world would be a better place if everyone used pie? You know why? Because there is just not enough politeness in our world. No one, no one ever says, wow, we, we are too polite, you know, and with the sort of political discourse that is taking place right now, especially there's this one topic going on on my feed right now regarding gun control. And okay, so why do I let these things go? Because I think it's important that we know each other's points of view, even if we don't agree with them. However, no one's going to listen to anyone if people are just pointing fingers and being rude and basically quote unquote shouting 
you know, shouting via typing. So try Pi. Trust me, your message will get across a lot better if it's sandwiched in between some praise and some encouragement. Coming up next, my first part of my interview with Michaela Malazzi. Michaela is a four-time Emmy winner, which I'll say again in just a little bit, but we talked for so long and it was such a great interview that I'm going to break it up into two parts. So today will be the first part, which is about 15 minutes, and then in a couple weeks I will release the second part. All this and more after this brief musical interlude. Hi world! Today I'm here with four-time Emmy winner and executive producer of Bare Feet, Michaela Malazzi. Hi, Michaela. Hi, Allegra. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. Now, I don't know if I told you, but I found out the other day that my husband is a fan of yours, and I, I didn't know that because both of us watch Create TV when we're working out, and we're never working out at the same time. So I simply just didn't know that he liked your show. Oh, how fun. And then yesterday when I was doing some research for our talk today, I had your picture up on my computer and my eight-year-old daughter said, oh my gosh, mommy, I love her. I love her show. She's the dancing woman. So that was a funny surprise too. Oh my gosh. I love that it's like cross-generational. That makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. Well, there's a lot to like in your shows. So for people who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So Bare Feet is a travel series that you can find on your local PBS station or also on Amazon. Um, And I travel and dance around the world. So in every destination that I go to, I learn the dance and music from that place. Um, And it's really about cultural immersion and starting uh, conversations through the arts, through dance, through music. And I think, you know, I'm a trained dancer. I was a trained musician. And I think what really... Um, seems to really touch most of our viewers is the fact that I don't um, worry about making myself look like a fool. Like I will just <laughs> jump in and try it because I'm having genuinely so much fun. I get to dress up in all these amazing, beautiful costumes. I get to hear this live music, beautiful music. A lot of this is folkloric dance or folk dances, but sometimes I get to do some modern stuff. Like I became a K-pop star for a day in South Korea. <laughs> I learned Tango in Buenos Aires. Um, you know, so it's all of these beautiful things, but it's really about not definitely not directly the place that I'm in, but it's really the people um, from that place that we're connecting with. So it's more of the personal stories, why dance is so important to them, why they love doing these dances um, and what it means to do, to have this as as being part of their identification and and sort of their identity, you know, like um, this cultural identity through dance and music. So it's been this amazing journey. We have two seasons out so far And we're currently in pre-production for season three, which we're going to start filming very, very soon. Um, But it's been an eight-year-long journey from blog to web series to Emmy award-winning TV show. And we just launched our podcast. So it's been a a journey, to say the least. (laughs) Okay, now I have a million questions. I don't know where to start. But let's just start with the fact that you are classically trained in dance and music. And you play a musical instrument. I saw you play some Mozart mm-hmm. in Vienna. Very impressive. Oh, yeah. So what <laughs> did you study well, music and dance-wise? I played piano. Uh, that's my main instrument. I used to be a composition major in school, actually, at NYU. 
Um, and then I used to play violin and flute. So I, you know, I, I know the structure of music. I have rhythm. Um, and then growing up, I was a trained dancer in ballet, jazz, tap, contemporary. And then I stopped dancing when I went to college because I was in the music program. And after about six, I almost stopped dancing for about six years and then um, got burned out working in the music industry and started dancing again. And I was teaching throughout New York City. And I asked, I was teaching those styles of dance again. Plus, I was teaching Bollywood dance, which I became like a huge fan of and also um, performed with Indian um, dance groups and was performing with other dance groups, but just kind of listened to the voice of dance calling me back and took this huge leap of faith to like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go for it. And it it worked out. It worked out. Well, and so I saw some video of you doing hard shoe Irish dancing. Mm -hmm. And is that similar to something that you studied? Because I thought you looked really good doing that. Thanks. Thanks. I, I grew up tap dancing. Um, so I, I feel very lucky to have had a really well-rounded training in dance, but I'm also really good at mimicking people in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's all really what I'm doing is when someone's standing in front of me and I see them dance. And that was the inspiration for the show. I traveled abroad. I studied abroad my sophomore year of college, the summer between my sophomore and junior year. And after that, I got addicted to travel and made sure that I traveled at least once a year for the, my rest of the time in, in school. And then when I was working uh, full time after that, and whenever I would go to a country where I couldn't speak the local language, I realized that I could use dance to communicate with people to make these connections. And I would s- literally stand in front of someone and start imitating their movements and kind of gesture to them saying like, teach me, show me, what is this? And I, you know, I don't mind feeling silly. This goes back to the idea of stepping out of your comfort zone and not feeling self-conscious about what you might look like. I am okay with the fact that it's not perfect. And to be honest, even when we're filming now, um, half the time I feel like I'm not getting it because I'm just like, oh, because I'm processing the information so quickly. Sometimes I have 10 minutes with someone on camera. Sometimes I have an hour. It really depends on the situation. And then not until I look back in the footage where I'm like, oh, I actually kind of picked that up. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's really the act of showing respect to someone for something that they find to be so important to them. And once you show interest in something like that, for me, that's dance and music. That could be food. That could be um, architecture, that could be art, it, fashion, um, any of those things. If you just make an interest in something that's important to someone else, they want to show you more and then more doors open, right? And that's how Bare Feet evolved because it was because of these dance experiences and, and connections I was having with complete strangers, all of a sudden these other doors opened for me where I'm invited to someone's wedding in uh, India. We're crashing an Indian wedding in Bombay. And then where I'm all of a sudden at a mother's family meal in Uzbekistan, you know, I mean, that wouldn't happen without creating these um, dance uh, connections first, right? Because I couldn't communicate with these people. I don't speak their language. So um, I use dance like a peace offering, like here, I'm going to make myself vulnerable. 
and in a very safe and comfortable way. I want to know more. Teach me more and do that with your body and do that with what you're with the rhythms that you're making and and all of those things. So that's what our show's about. Our show's not about and that's what I think travel's about. It's not about taking a selfie in front of the Eiffel Tower. It's about con- meeting people in those places and having a cultural exchange with them in any way possible. Absolutely. Okay, so tell me, where are you taking us on season three? My first, very first episode, I come from, my parents are both immigrants from a small little town in southern Italy called Minturno. And my family comes from that town back generations. So um, our very first episode, we went back to that hometown and I, I, you meet my grandmother, my nonna Pina, and I really connect with, reconnect with my, my roots through dance and music. And I thought, I really love this idea of connecting back to my roots. So I got my DNA tested. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be taking you all on this journey, this bare feet journey through my DNA map. And I'll be discovering the dances that make, that literally make up my DNA map makeup. So that is so funny. Yeah. I wanted to do the exact same thing, but with food. Yeah, you should do it. I mean, I've already done the DNA test, but I wanted to do this. Okay, so, should, so where all are we going? So we went to Italy. Where else is your DNA taking us? So I'm part Middle Eastern, part Balkan, part Iberian, part North African, part Northwestern European, and part Central Asian. So there's like, it's, it's in that general area of the world, but it's a really wonderful, diverse, um, especially culturally and musically and the dances and the rhythms and the costumes and the food. I'm just excited. We're going to be going to a lot of fantastic places. Um, and we'll be posting a bunch of like behind the scenes video on our journey. Um, I'm not going to be trying to find relatives. That's not the goal of this because I think the, because of my DNA, it goes back so far. Um, because my parents, their families have been from this one town for like four or five generations. It's crazy. So um, it's really kind of picking the places that I'm going based on the map that came up from my DNA um, results. Well, that sounds really fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm very, very excited. I'm excited to see what you think maybe resonates with you. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is I've always loved Balkan rhythms and Balkan music and Balkan dances. There's this wonderful festival that happens uh, in New York um, once every January, I think it is. It's called Golden Fest. And it's like two days of Balkan bands, Balkan music, dancing for hours. And I just always loved Balkan music because it's odd metered rhythm. So it's like in 15, eight times. So it's like doing math with your feet. And I just loved <laughs> that challenge. And now I know why. I'm like, oh, because technically my DNA comes from that part of the world. So it was kind of this amazing, like, yeah, that I'm really excited to go back there. Uh, I'm super excited to go to, we're going to be going to Morocco. Mm. I've never been. And it's just amazing to know of the Arabic roots in my DNA. Um, which totally makes sense. You know, geographically, Italy was invaded by so many Mm -hmm. different people. Um, So so I'm just, I'm happy to know that, you know, part of this 
exploration is not just for me, but it's to show all of us like this is just what my DNA looks like, but this could be any of any of you. This could be anyone. You know, we're not just one race, we're not just one thing. You know, there's thousands and thousands of years of people migrating and um you know, you can't just clump yourself into one group. And I think showing the diversity of what makes up who you are is really important right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So what languages do you speak? I speak Italian. I speak Italian. And it's interesting. I grew up, my parents spoke, they do speak a dialect at home. And there are I a lot of dialect like, in Italy. Yeah. So their own, di- you know, their own town's dialect. Mm-hmm. And it's really similar to the Neapolitan dialect. Neapolitan with a little bit of Shoshada and Roman, and um, but mainly Neapolitan. And, um, you know, I grew up hearing that and that was sort of this wonderful, warm, familiar sound. I never responded to my parents in Italian, but I could, or in the dialect, but I understood mm-hmm. them. And then when I studied abroad in Florence, my, the summer of my sophomore year, I kind of fell in love with my own culture, um, in a completely unique way b- b- versus just being Italian American. I really felt this connection to the country of Italy and the Italian culture. Cause they're two very different things. Yes. Um, and then I, yeah. And then I, was studying Italian while I was there in Florence. I was studying Italian at NYU and then eventually decided to minor in Italian and learned how to speak the proper language and then learned how to just kept speaking more of our dialect. Cause for me, I think it's important to really keep that heritage alive as well. It's, it's, it's like a slang, but at the same time, it's its own language. It's, it's really comforting to me to hear because when now when I go to Italy and I hear other people's accents, I can tell where they're from within the country of Italy. And, and if, especially if they're coming to visit to New York, you're walking around New York all the time and you hear a million different languages all the time. But if I hear Italian, especially from the South, I can be like, Oh, you know, I'm from, my family's from Minturno and you know, they know where that is. If you're usually, if you're from North, you don't know where this little town is. So it's, it's nice to be able to, um, reconnect with that via language, but it really happened because I kept going back to Italy um, because to be forced to use the language. I think that's the only way to really learn a language is if it's out of necessity. What's your favorite place in Italy? Um, my my grandmother's house. That's my favorite place in Italy. <laughs> my nonna Pina's house. Um, we live in this in Minturno. She has this tiny little farmhouse. Oh. Um, and it's just a special little place. It's not nothing fancy. Um, it actually, that part of the country was completely destroyed. That town in particular was destroyed during World War II. So, you know, oh. it's, it's a very um, uh, sort of uh, depressed area, or it was a very depressed area. Um, but we have olive groves and orange trees and persimmon trees and fig trees. And Donna has her garden and... We used to have so it's inland. And, uh, we're right on the coast. We're right on the coast. Yeah, so you can see Ischia on a very clear day um, from my grandmother's house. We're like right by a bay, um, and it's beautiful. Coming up next, my game-changing hack for buttermilk. 
after the tunes. We're back, and now for my tip about buttermilk. I've had recipes call for buttermilk, and I just either didn't want to run to the store or wasn't sure the store was even going to have it, or I just didn't want to buy a quart or a half gallon of buttermilk when really all I needed was three-fourths of a cup or a cup. Well, I have this great hack that has worked so well for me when I have baked pancakes to when I have made bundt cakes. It is fantastic. Okay, so there's two parts to this hack. The first part is that if you take three-quarters cup of milk and add two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and let it sit for five minutes, it will curdle up and it will add some of that wonderful sourness to your recipe. And it will also add additional leavening to your recipe. Now, your recipe won't taste sour. Your pancakes won't taste sour. But the flavor of the apple cider vinegar and milk will add a wonderful depth to your pancakes that wasn't there previously, a richness. And the apple cider vinegar, because it's acidic, it will actually help to activate whatever baking powder or baking soda you put into your recipe even more. So your pancakes will be lighter and fluffier than you've ever had them before. I promise you. Try this. I've also done this anytime I've had a cake recipe that I've wanted to be lighter because cake recipes usually you want to be light. I actually made a vanilla lemon bundt cake the other day and it called for buttermilk and I used this in place and it worked beautifully. Now, The second part of this hack is sometimes you might not even have milk in your house, which has happened to me. I'm baking something. Literally, the only thing I'm missing is buttermilk. And the only thing I have in my fridge is cream. Okay, now cream and milk aren't exactly the same, right? Cream has a much higher fat content and a lower water content. But you can kind of do this hack where you take half a cup of cream, add a quarter cup of water, and then add the two tablespoons apple cider vinegar. Again, let it sit for five minutes and it will curdle a little bit, not as much as if you were using milk. Ideally, you're using milk. However, I have done this in the pinch. No one could tell the difference. I could tell the difference just because, you know, I know what to look for, but no one else could tell the difference. And it was great. I didn't have to run out to the grocery store. So try this hack anytime you have a recipe that calls for buttermilk or even just a recipe that calls for milk. Because as I said, it just adds a wonderful richness to your recipe and a lightness that wasn't there previously, especially pancakes. Trust me, this will give you the best pancakes you've ever had. Thanks for tuning in today. If you thought my show was fun or useful, please let me know by leaving me a comment wherever you subscribe. They mean more than you know. Or you can send me a tip through Patreon at patreon.com slash Allegra Ramos, A-L-E-G-R-E. R-A-M-O-S. I have great thank you gifts for my supporters and look forward to when I have 500 patrons and can hire an editor to help provide you with even more great content. By the way, be sure to check out my free introductory cooking webinar at allegraramos.teachable.com and subscribe to my podcast wherever you like to listen. And if you'd like to submit questions, you can email me at hello at allegraramos.com or download the free Anchor FM app and call into my show so I can play your question on the air. I'll see you next time for another dose of modern life, healthier, easier, more fun. You'll hear the second half of my interview with Michaela, which will be super fun. We had so much to talk about. Until next time, be a spark in the world. Over and out.